thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray you would reveal that to everyone who hears me today here in person, watching online. Lord, would you show yourself to us that we would not miss you today. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. A number of years ago, um, way back in my history, I worked a lot with high school students, and one of the things I would do is I would bring a high school kid up, and I won't ask anybody to do that here today, not to embarrass anybody, but I'd bring a high school kid up, and, and I'd say, are you comfortable if we put your life in all of your hands, all of your peers right around you? Are you comfortable with that? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Well, would you just for the sake, okay, I guess I will. Great. And I get behind him, and I put my arms and my hands and wrap him around his neck. And I just start squeezing just a little bit. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to keep squeezing unless you can give me a reason not to kill him. Go. And they're just like, uh, it's wrong. I'm like, well, why is it wrong? It's not right. Why is it right? Not right. Because it's wrong. Like, well, you better make a better argument. I'd squeeze it a little, and you can see, like, his eyes are like, oh, this is weird. And, and they just start screaming all the louder, no, it's wrong, stop, just don't do it, it's wrong. And, and I said, well, you better make a better argument, because he's not going to make it much longer. If you don't have uh, a little better uh, argument, then it's just wrong, you know, at that point. And at some point, I, I let go, and he's like, wow, that was weird. I said, yeah, isn't it weird, the world we live in? And isn't it strange how anywhere you go around the world that most people live with that understanding where it's not okay to just take somebody's life from them. And more and more in the world that we live in today, it seems to be that all we have to offer is a little bit louder. And I was down at Belize um, several months ago when I was visiting one of the schools there and one of the administrators had in his office a sign that was made by one of the students there that I thought was absolutely brilliant. And it said, um, don't shout louder, make a better argument. I thought, wow, that's good for all of our world, not just for students living in Belize, but that's good for the world. We need to be more than just loud because truth isn't a matter of whoever screams the loudest or whoever happens to have the biggest sign. As my friend Bugs Bunny uh, likes to have, it's duck season. No, it's rabbit season. That's what it is. And whoever has the loudest sign or gets the word out the most seems to have the market on the truth. Or for you as our students, um, I'll just encourage you maybe not use this because I'm not sure it will be really effective, but I love Calvin and Hobbes. That's what I grew up on, so I want to share this one with you. Uh, Calvin's taken a test, and he says, uh, what important event took place on December 16th of 1773? I do not believe in linear time. There is no past and future. All is one, and existence in the temporal sense is illusionary. So the question, therefore, is meaningless and impossible to answer. And then he says, when in doubt, deny all terms and definitions. <laughs> and I love that because it gets to the point that so many of us as followers of Jesus, I think, feel and experience today. That we have this desire, it's like, no, truth is just truth. It's as clear as this sign is. Truth is truth, and, and there's right and there's wrong, and I don't understand how you cannot see it. And so what do we do? We have a tendency to just get louder with the truth. But we need to understand, as uh, this pastor I found uh, shared, he said, when people talk about the truth, it looks more like this to them. 
You know, it's questions, is God, is it absolute, is it an idea, is it it? All these things come to mind. And that will help us get our mind uh, around what it's like. Because really in the world that we live in, there are really distinctly two different kinds of people. There are those that don't get it. And then there are those who don't live it. And those that don't get it, I don't get truth. I don't get that there's right and there's wrong. And you do what's good for you, I'll do what's good for me. There's, there's people who just don't get it. Now to make that point uh, from a scriptural reference, and, and I like this because this is what Paul said about these people that just don't get it. Instead of shouting at them, just understand it's the God of this age that has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They can't see. Screaming at them to see is not going to get them to see. None of us would do that to a blind person. Well, just start seeing. See! <laughs> can't you see? No. They can't. They're blind. The God of this age is blind to the minds of unbelievers, and so shouting at them or having a bigger sign is not going to help them believe. Now, conversely, what those people are seeing most often, and the temptation for lots of followers of Jesus, which I think is frankly more frightening than having their uh, eyes blinded, is the other side of followers of Jesus who get it but don't live it. This is what Jesus couldn't understand. And, and frankly, this is, I think, just the saddest thing. And I think it's the trajectory of a lot of followers of Jesus. And if we're not careful, it's the trajectory of all of us as followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus was very kind and compassionate to those who were blind. That those that didn't get it, didn't understand. But boy, for those that did get it and didn't live it, boy, he let loose several times. One of those is in the Gospel of Matthew, near the end of Matthew's account. He writes this. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and you Pharisees. Man, you get it. You've been taught it. You understand it. You hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything that's unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And so Jesus speaks into the culture uh, of that day, and he's still speaking into the culture uh, of that day. And this is where a lot of followers of Jesus find themselves, where they know the truth. They just don't live the truth. I love getting into the deep things of God and really understanding Bible studies, but their lives haven't changed one iota, that there's not a single bit of difference that's happened in their lives. And Jesus has words for that. You hypocrites. You're like a whitewashed tomb. You might think you look good on the outside, but inside you're just full of dead bones and decay. So what do we do with the world that we live in and with that uh, establishment? Well, I want to take a look at um, what Jesus has to say. And so take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says this, Don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
And, and Jesus knows their thoughts because he knew what people were saying. Oh, Jesus is just light on the law. He's just getting rid of all the traditions and everything that we do. And he's hanging around with sinners and tax collectors. And how dare he? And he just thinks that you, you can do anything you want with your life. Don't worry about it. You'll be forgiven anyway. Just God loves you. It doesn't really matter what you do with your life. And Jesus said, don't think I've come to abolish the law. I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus would have some harsh words about the law in the same sermon that he was preaching. You've heard it said, do not murder. I tell you, anyone who hates his brother is guilty of murder. Oh, okay, uh, that's a pretty strong interpretation of that. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. Oh. Who can stand, Jesus? If that's the standard, who can stand? It's impossible. And Jesus says, you're right. It is impossible. But I didn't come to abolish that law or to water it down for people. I didn't come to lower the bar so everybody could jump over it. I came to fulfill it. Now that word fulfill is a really interesting word because we, we think of just filling up a glass. It really is cause to abound. That's really what that word is. To cause it to abound. In other words, to cause it to go out and to grow. And so Jesus looked at his culture. He looks at our culture in a world today where there is no right, there is no wrong. And he says, I want my truth to abound. I want my life to abound. I, I want this to go out and abound. I want to fulfill the law for it to go out. So which leads us to this question. What does it really then look like to follow Jesus? I'll just make this as clear as I know how to make it. I think a great place to start if you want to be a follower of Jesus is rather than it's right or it's wrong, it is just take the stance. I'm wrong. Jesus is right. You're wrong. Jesus is right. We're all wrong. <laughs> Jesus is right. You want to talk about right and wrong? Just get that right. <laughs> I'm wrong. We're wrong. We're all wrong. Jesus is right. Which leads to this point I, I want to make. Show yourselves and show that you are wrong. Or in a word, just humility. We don't need to have a megaphone. We don't need to have a bigger sign. We don't have to make a louder argument for people. Show the world that you're wrong. Live with some humility. And I haven't gotten this thing right yet either. And one day when I was living in darkness, God revealed and shined his light into my chaos of my life and set me free. And I want that same thing for you. Not because I'm right and you're wrong. It's because God has set me free and I've discovered a better way to live. This is why Jesus, in just the same sermon, a couple chapters later, in chapter 7, um, this gives you some context to what you've probably heard before. Jesus said, you hypocrite, there's our word again, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, start with humility. Man, start with this, I'm wrong. I don't get it right all of the time. And I can't, and I never will. And, and so I'm working hard to take the plank out of my own eye. But notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, so ignore 
the sin and ignore the darkness, ignore the chaos in other people's lives. No, he stepped in to that mess like Jesus did. But first, do it with an attitude that says, I'm taking the plank out of my own eye first so I can remove the speck in your eye. Show that you're wrong and lead with humility. Why? Because Jesus' way is better, which is why we should surrender completely to his will. And, and this should be the attitude of our hearts and the trajectory of our thing, not determining what's right and what's wrong and proclaiming that. It's, God, I want to completely surrender to your will. Why? Because I'm wrong and you're right and I'm still getting things wrong. And so today, I want to surrender to your will. And hopefully when you wake up tomorrow, it'll look different. Because there'll be other things. And next year, it'll look different because there are things you've got to surrender to today in order to be transformed. Why? Because it's better for us. Following Jesus is a better way to go, and it's better for others, too. And that's why we should want it. We should want people to surrender to God, and people feel like I have to give up my freedom in order to do that. A number of years ago, um, there was a kid in our church uh, 17-year-old, and he was going down the wrong path. He had gotten into a drug culture and was rebelling and just not listening to anything his parents had to say. He was failing classes at school. His parents, in an act of de desperation, said, hey, would, Pastor, would you mind talking to our son? So I was happy to talk to him. I don't know if he wants to listen, but I'm happy to, to talk to him. And so we sat down, and I asked him a bunch of questions. He said, so tell me what's going on. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, what's going on at home? Well, my parents are angry with me. Like, well, what's going on there? Well, they just don't understand. They don't understand that I need to be independent. I need to do whatever I think is right. And I should be able to do whatever I want to. And I'm old enough to make my own decisions now. And I should just do whatever I want. I said, so what's, what's happening now at home? So, well, they, they said if I continue down this path that uh, when I turn 18, I'm not going to be welcome to live in the home. I'm going to have to find another place to go. I said, so, wow, you're, you're about ready to lose your family. Wow, okay, tell me about school. Well, I'm failing most of my classes, and I've been suspended several times, and they said if I get suspended one more time, they're kicking me out of school. I'll be expelled from school. I'm like, oh, well, then what? Well, I don't know. I'll just do whatever I want to do. I said, okay, just pause with me for a second, and let's take a little imaginary trip five years from now. Because I'm telling you, five years from now, this freedom that you think you have right now, you're going to have only a couple of choices you're going to have to make. What minimum wage job do you want to work at, and what bridge do you want to live under? Because that's the direction of your life, and I can see it. And God has something better for you than that. You think this is freedom, doing whatever you want to do. This is not freedom. It's not leading you to freedom. A lot of Christians fool themselves into thinking that they know what freedom really is. And so we'll go through the, the motions, and we'll show up at church, we'll say our prayers. Uh, Isaiah talked about this to... Um, his day and age at that time. They were going through this ritual of fasting and, and praying and offering sacrifices to God and all the time they're wondering, God, why aren't you hearing us? Why aren't you answering our prayers? Why do you seem so distant from us? And Isaiah gives them God's response to that. Here's what he has to say. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break off every yoke. In other words, when you see a mess, step into that mess. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? 
Is this not the kind of fasting? I don't want you to fast for the sake of fasting. Your fasting is to lead you to a different understanding and to change your direction, to understand that I'm wrong. God, show me where I need to go. And, and Christians who are fasting and praying and reading the scripture and worshiping, and yet their lives are never changed, are tragic. The world doesn't need that. And this is why I'm, I'm really so proud of the generosity of so many of you here at St. John. Last week, um, the Cannon family had put together and had led us through the Operation Christmas Child, and 365 boxes were packed. I got a chance, because I wasn't preaching last week, to walk over and see all the kids putting together a whole bunch of boxes themselves and, and piling all of them and decorating the box. It was just such a fun experience. I thought, man, that is really cool. Three more people brought boxes this week that couldn't bring them last Sunday or forgot to. And so 368 boxes um, are going out to kids around the world that had nothing. I love that, that they're going to hear about Jesus. That excites me. Like, man, what a great gift of generosity. Last week, we put up the angel tree up there, and we have English as a second language that we started this year here. And uh, the leader there said there's a lot of families that really don't have anything. Would Maybe we'd be able to adopt them for Christmas and give them some gifts. And we thought, absolutely. And so we put them up there. They're gone. That went in a heartbeat. And so we put some other angels with another organization we work with with some needy kids that don't have anything for Christmas. I'm hoping all those are gone today. That would a wonderful gift that would be to do that. Um, in our lobby, and if you're watching online, you can just give us your address, and we'll send one of these to you with the reverse advent bag. And it starts today, and each day you put something in the bag, some canned food. And then at the end of the month of December, you take this to one of our local food banks. I would love for our food banks to be overwhelmed at the end of the year with all of these bags. Like, what is going on over there? Because we've got tons of these bags. We've got more food than we know what to do with anymore. What a wonderful story that would be. You can pick these up. And just, I carry, you've got to read the calendar on this. I tell you, Roxanne and Linda did such a great job. And there's just some humor in here. You're going to have to dig for it and find it. But trust me, it's well worth you picking up. And doing that. I love that, that that's the story because that's what we should be doing. Not just going through the motions and showing up at church, but living our lives. Why? Because we want to shine Jesus. That's why. Because the world desperately needs to see Jesus. And that's our job to shine Jesus. This is why he said right before he said, don't think I've come to abolish the law. Look at the verse right before this. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Not so that they can feel guilty or be ashamed or like you were right, I was wrong. No, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what God is calling us to do. Unfortunately, I've lived long enough now to have friends of mine that have walked away from the faith. And for the ones that I've known and got a deeper relationship with, I've had a chance to ask them just, what was it? And usually it's some variation of the same theme, which is like, I just couldn't take the guilt anymore. Every time I went to church, it was like more guilt, more weight. I never could live up to the expectations. And so it was easier for me to stop going. And then once I stopped going, it was easier for me to stop praying. And once I stopped praying, it was easier for me just to push God aside and just live my own life. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Where on earth did we go wrong as a church to give the impression that our job is to make you feel guilty? 
For our job is to shine Jesus, because when you shine Jesus, you realize that all of your sins have been paid for and forgiven. That I know when I take my last breath here on earth and my next breath is standing before Almighty God, that I don't have to worry. And he pulls up my whole life story. Did I do enough good things to get into heaven? Am I going to make it? Am I going to get sent down? Who knows what I'm going to have to do to make amends? I can live with confidence and hope. Because Jesus lives in me. He said, John, I've called you to be my own. I love you. You are mine. And you don't have to earn your way into heaven. I worked my way to you. You don't have to work your way to me. And what a great joy that is. That is why we need to shine Jesus. And it pains me to see that so many people forget what the psalmist wrote, that God came even to take away the guilt of our sins, that we should walk out of here lighter than we have. This is what it means to shine Jesus, that we're living differently from the world. We're not grabbing a megaphone, shouting at the world. Our lives should be a light out into the world, that they're taking notice. Like, I'm living here in darkness, and you're shining a light. What is different about you? Let me tell you what's different about me. I don't get it right all of the time, but boy, Jesus has transformed my life. And if some of you are in that position today where you feel like I've got one foot out the door and I'm ready to leave, just encourage you, or if you've got some family and friends of people that are walking out the door, or maybe have walked out the door, please, please, please don't give up. Keep praying. Keep letting your light shine. God loves them more than you do. God loves you more than you love yourself. God wants to reveal himself to you. Don't give up. Now, why can I say this? Well, because this is what God says. Paul wrote this in um, his letter to the Corinthians. Therefore, since through God's mercy, man, I love this, through God's mercy, not in keeping the law, not in getting everything right, not in making all the right decisions, knowing the difference between right and wrong, through God's mercy. Why? Because we all are wrong. And we all need God's mercy. Through God's mercy, we have this ministry. What is this ministry? It's shine Jesus. That is our ministry. And, and so because of God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Why? Because it doesn't depend on us. And I can keep praying for people. I, I can keep shining my light into people. Because God is the one who is transforming lives. And he calls us to be his light into the world. I want to end with this passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 2 and it's a great chapter, it talks about the humility of Jesus, how Jesus even though he was God, became man and made his dwelling among us and humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross and near the end of that chapter after he talks about Jesus, he sort of answers the so what question so what does that mean for me and how should I live then and here's what he says in Philippians therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the work that God is doing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Or arguing. Or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in this warped and crooked generation. 
that doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. And shouting at Adam isn't going to make a difference. Why? Because they're blind and they cannot see. They need Jesus and they need the light into the world. 